Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Pickle Parables. My name is Michael Rogers, and it is a great privilege for me to be back once again and give you guys a little Bible lesson. Today we will be continuing our teaching series on the book of James, and we will be covering chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I will go ahead and read the passage, and we will jump right in. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and say, You sit here in a good place, while I say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. To the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now let's jump back up to verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Might be more literally be translated as do not hold in or with partiality the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Or, do not hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. Now, I must be clear, this does not mean that we are not supposed to lift up faith in Christ over all religions. What it means is that partiality is not to be mixed in. Partiality is incompatible with faith in Jesus, the Lord of glory. Favoritism is not part of faith. Partiality is not to be seen next to, in, with, or related to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in true James fashion, he gives us an illustration so we understand exactly what he's talking about. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, 
And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? The scenario James paints for us is plain enough. You have two different people, say they come to church, and they are quite obviously of different economic status. One person quite clearly has a lot of money, the other has little. You think, well, I must be welcoming and I must be hospitable, so you pay attention to the visitor who is most likely to benefit you. In James, the word pay attention means to look at and act upon your attention. It is the same word in Luke 9.38 when a man cries out to Jesus, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. The father begs Jesus to pay attention to his demon-possessed son out of all the other people in the crowd that Jesus might have given his attention to. So a man comes in, you pay attention to the visitor, and give him a good place to sit. Meanwhile, you dismiss the poor man as unimportant, or not worth your time, or maybe someone else might help him. Sit over there. I think I might see a spot over there. To such a scenario, James asks a rhetorical question. Have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? The answer to the rhetorical question is yes. We have made distinctions and become judges with evil thoughts. You sit the rich man down, dismiss the poor man. You have become a partial evil judge. Jesus said in John seven eleven, not to judge by appearances, yet you have done so. Leviticus nineteen fifteen forbids being partial to the rich or to the poor, yet you have done so. There is no partiality in the Lord of glory, yet you have become partial in judging the rich and poor. Ephesians six nine says that God is not partial between masters and slaves. Zechariah seven nine. The Lord says to render true judgments and show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Yet when we show hospitality to one and not the other, we have done so. The making of distinctions should be especially hideous for Christians, for in Christ those superficial differences Differences in economic status, social status, political power, ethnicity, occupation. These differences are washed away by the blood of Christ. The believer who is poor is as much a child of God and heir to the kingdom of heaven as is a rich man. The peasant is as loved by God as a king. God long ago chose Abraham's descendants to make a nation. Israel was God's chosen people out of all the people of the world. Yet Ephesians 2.19 teaches us that those outside the bloodline of Israel are fellow citizens and members of the household of God. Long ago, God made a distinction between Israel and the rest of the world. In Christ, the rest of the world might too become children of God. How then can we make distinctions between rich or poor James continues in verse 5, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, 
which he has promised to those who love him? James here appeals to a general historical truth. God chooses the weakest and the smallest to accomplish his great purposes. The nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt for centuries. Gideon was the most insignificant son in his father's house, which belonged to the most insignificant tribe of Israel. David was a shepherd. Isaiah was a sinful man descended and living amongst sinners. The Apostle Paul, a persecutor of the church. If you're to show favoritism to anyone, wouldn't it make more sense to play the odds and favor the poor man? James goes on to say in verses 6 and 7, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? Favoring the rich and dishonoring the poor man, despite God often granting them an abundance of faith and making them heirs to an eternal kingdom. Such favoritism is rather nonsensical, for often it is the rich and powerful who oppress Christians and dragging them into courts and prisons. Often they blaspheme the name of Christ and trust in their own riches to save them. Proverbs 11.28 says that whoever trusts in riches will fall. And Psalm 52 tells of the man who loved doing evil and loved evil more than doing good. And he trusts in his riches to protect him, but God will take it all from him. In the book of Job, Job's friends make the mistake of assuming material prosperity is a sign of God's blessing. And conversely, they make the mistake of assuming Calamity and poverty are signs of God's judgments. Let us not make the same mistake. No one's eternity is secure because of his wealth. Only those with faith in Christ are heirs to the kingdom. Wealth and poverty are inconsequential when it comes to faith. And we are foolish to elevate either in importance in this life. Moving on to verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Echoing Jesus' sentiment that love your neighbor as yourself is the second of the greatest commandments, he calls it the royal law. Obeying this commandment is a commendable thing, of course. Seems everyone loves this commandment. Even the world loves reciting this commandment. But if you truly fulfill it, you are indeed doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and breaking that law. If you show partiality, you are literally working sin. You are devoting energy to sin. See, James here uses the example of discriminating against the poor, but the prohibition against partiality goes beyond just discriminating against the poor. So hear me, especially you in, say, different church groups, Sunday school classes, youth groups, college groups, men's groups, women's groups, whatever, whatever target group class you're in, if you show partiality, if you play favorites, if you form exclusive cliques, if you honor certain persons because of their status, 
if you excuse certain behavior because he or she is your friend, all the while condemning it in someone else, you are in sin. Giving the rich man a nice seat and forming close-knit groups, having close friends, these things are not evil and are even good things, but they become sinful when they become exclusive and when they dismiss and dishonor those who the group does not approve of. If you are dismissing, ignoring, and excluding those who don't fit your friend group, you are in sin. Exclusive cliques have no part of faith in Christ. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord of glory. None. So take a look at your social circle and be honest with yourself. Do you exclude, even silently? Do you exclude those who don't make as much money as yourself? Do you dismiss those who go to a different school than you? Students, if you are homeschooled, do you scorn and judge the public schooler? Do you exclude the homeschooler because he or she is weird? Do you roll your eyes or shake your head when that person walks into the room? Do you shoo them away or exit the conversation with them as quickly as possible? Such things are sin. And you, James says, are thus convicted by the law as transgressors. Such a sin can be easy to fall into, and we justify it to ourselves without even knowing it often. So how often are we comfortable with the people we know, with the people whose company we enjoy? And how often are we comfortable and silently excluding and judging those who are slightly different? How often do we give our time and resources to those who are likely to give us some time and resources in return? Even non-believers do that. Such behavior has no place in Christ. If you show partiality, it says you are convicted by the law as transgressors. When you are partial, you are identified by Scripture as a transgressor. How? Verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Now, I do want to spend a little bit of extra time on this verse because I hear Christians everywhere say this all the time, and it is utter nonsense and unbiblical. It is the phrase, all sins are equal, and no sin is worse than another sin. It is nonsense, and here is why. Number one, you, you don't actually believe that. Two, the phrase itself is nonsense. Three, the Bible doesn't teach it. And number four, James 2.10 doesn't teach it. If someone stole $10 from you, you would demand 10 back. You might ask for more impunitive dam damages, but these are at least required to restore what was stolen. If you had $5 stolen, you would get 5 back. No one lives like 5 and 10 are equal. So let me ask you this. If all sins are equal, which sin are all sins equal to? Are all sins equal to stealing $5? Are all sins equal to stealing $50? Is child molesting equal to stealing $100? Is murder equal to lying? 
Or is stealing $5 equal to murder? If someone is caught stealing $20, should the punishment be the death penalty? What are all sins equal to? You're missing half your equation. But we must understand that God does not treat every sin equally. There are sins that are worse than others. Was every sin in Deuteronomy called an abomination? Did every sin carry the same consequence in the law? No. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Hosea 12.2 says, The Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. Did not Jesus say in Matthew 11.24 that it would be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for the unrepentant cities he ministered to? In 2 Timothy 4.14, Paul says that the Lord will repay the coppersmith according to his deeds. 1 Peter 1.17 says that the Father judges impartially according to each one's deeds. And Revelation 20.12 says this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. There are many more verses that are similar, but these should be sufficient to make the point. Sins are not equal, for God does not treat them all the same. So what then does James mean? Let's keep reading. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you, co if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The Torah, the law, is seen as a unity in Jewish thought. You cannot keep all the laws, break one, consider yourself a law-abiding citizen. One commentator I read says, quote, Although penalties may vary, one is counted a criminal, no matter which particular section of the code one may have broken, end quote. The same commentator also helpfully points out for us that James here is revealing his reader's attitude toward the law. The same attitude is often present when someone says all sins are equal. It is an attitude that often minimizes more serious sins and equates them with lesser sins. Serious sins are often dismissed as not a big deal. So perhaps some of you listening are wondering why partiality is being treated like it's a big deal. Yet the text indicates that the reverse should be true. Instead of minimizing big sins, we should recognize just how serious our supposedly little sins are. Why is that? For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The one who said, do not commit adultery and do not murder is the same God that forbids partiality. When the law is broken, it is broken. And you dishonor the Lord of glory when you show partiality. 
James 1.23 likens the word of God, the law of God, to a mirror. So imagine, if you will, a perfect mirror. Then you throw a rock at it. It does not matter how big or small the stone was. It does not matter what part of the mirror was damaged. The result of this is the same. The mirror is broken. The mirror has been shattered into a thousand pieces. Will you then say favoritism is not such a big deal? The same God who said, love your neighbor as yourself, also said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. What does that say about you, that you would obey him in not murdering, but would disobey him in being a partial judge? No matter what sin you commit, you are a transgressor, James says, a sinner. So, James says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So therefore, because of what was just said, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. We heard in chapter 1, thanks to RJ, that the law of liberty is none other than the gospel. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, believers in Christ are declared righteous in the sight of God and are free from the ceremonial obligations of the law. This freedom is what truly enables believers to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. When a person comes to faith in Christ and is born again, they have a new nature, which is to say that they have a new desire to love Christ and to do His will. I will remind you what Paul says in Galatians 5:13 and 15 for you will for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another so when James says to speak and act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty, it is to act in accordance with the new nature and the freedom purchased by the blood of Jesus. To speak and act under the law of liberty is to recognize the great transaction that took place on your behalf. When you remember just how precious the blood of Jesus is, when you remember just how magnificent the gospel is, suddenly partiality is seen in its proper light, and we see just how hideous it is. Why speak and act as one to be judged under the law of liberty? Verse 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There are a few verses in James that seem to run parallel to the Sermon of, on the Mount in Matthew this is one such place. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, Jesus says. James here also seems to call to mind in par the parable in Matthew 18, where a king forgave a great debt that one of his servants owed him. The forgiven servant likewise was a debtor to another servant who owed the forgiven servant a small amount. However, the forgiven servant Instead, threw his fellow servant into prison until the small debt was paid. Jesus concludes the parable with this in verse 32. 
Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. When we show partiality, we set ourselves up as a judge and we forget the great debt which we have been forgiven. There is only one judge and he is the Lord. We who believe Christ will be judged under the law of liberty. We will be judged under the gospel. We who believe in Christ, who have been born again, we have been made new, we have been forgiven. The least we can do is show mercy. Instead of judging the poor, instead of judging those outside our preferred social circles, we must show mercy for partiality has no part in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest evidences of a gospel transformation is showing mercy where we normally would not. Do not abuse the mercy shown you by the grace of God by showing partiality. What does James mean that mercy triumphs over judgment? I believe it's analogous once again to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy instead of judgment. The second half of Ephesians 2, I mentioned it already, but it teaches us that those, who, those of us who are Gentiles were once separated from Christ and having no hope and being without God in the world. Why? Because God had chosen a people for himself, and we were not in that bloodline. A distinction was made by God between his chosen people and the rest of us. But now it says, Now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The division has been killed. And we who believe in Christ are part of God's chosen people. If you don't believe that the blood of Jesus has brought you near and has forgiven your sins, I pray that you will one day. But if you do already believe, you must now understand that there's no place for you to be showing partiality. God did not exclude you. How then will you exclude others? How then will you exclude other believers whom God has included? Partiality is a sneaky sin. It often creeps in unnoticed and is so easy. It is so easy to justify without even realizing what's going on. Be careful. I personally have found that hospitality and genuine friendliness is a helpful antidote, as is constant time in the Word and in prayer. But remember, there's grace and mercy for the sin of partiality. So come to God for forgiveness and live that out. Let us close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your mercy and grace upon us for all the sins that we think are little, for they are not. They are an offense against you. 
But thank you so much for your mercy and your grace that you demonstrate in the blood of Christ. I pray you change our hearts and our minds so that we learn to hate the sins that you hate. And that we learn to love Christ above everything. I pray my words here today were beneficial and edifying to someone. I pray that my sore throat was not too distracting for the listener. I pray that you were that you were glorified and that you were honored, and that every day you would grow us more and more into the likeness of Christ, and in love for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.